All right, here, buddy, as you're in bed there, resting deeper and falling asleep, I wanted to do a review run-through of our most recent series that just came to a conclusion, and it didn't even have a name. And I talk about, these are the kind of episodes where I talk in a slow, soothing, lulling voice about my creative process, maybe some influences and some things that came up, but I do it in a really meandering way. And I know some people will listen during the day to hear this, uh, but, you know, I'll package it as best I can in a nice, lulling. I mean, I'm overly verbose uh, and prone to tangents, obviously. So let me think about what I want to talk about. I do want to talk about the issues around naming the show. Uh, I guess like this was a bit of a departure in a bunch of different ways. And I did try to fuse a lot of things that have been successful in our last few series. Uh, This was also the first series that started on our new schedule. So I'll talk about that. uh, And I'll talk about what came up in really uh, in how I broke the episodes down uh, which is very similar to the normal process and the r- normal writing process of the show. Uh, and then uh, I guess, so I'll talk about the, the writing schedule first and then maybe talk about the influences because the, the the genesis of this idea precedes the podcast. And I even believe it's an idea that I've discussed on the podcast before. Uh, so, yeah, so this was the first episode or the first series uh it, I don't know what number of series it is as we've gone from serial stories to trying to do something a little bit more episodic and modular as we uh, named it with uh, the Agatha series. Uh, but this was our first series of 2018, I believe, and uh, the first series as we moved to a twice-a-week schedule. In the past, it would have come out every Thursday. And instead, I don't know, I, I, I always just assume it comes out every 10 days, but I don't think mathematically that's accurate, but every third episode. And so that goes to the writing schedule, because when I was scheduling it, at this point, I don't take any time off of writing new episodes unless, uh, like, I'm not able to, like, which will come up in the talking about the schedule. But uh, otherwise, like, as soon as one series concludes, I'm writing uh, on schedule, I don't ever, I, I don't have time to serialize the stories anymore with the moving train of the podcast. So I'll usually just start writing the first episode right away. Uh, but this time I said, okay, well now I, instead of having a seven day writing deadline, it seems like I'll have a 10 day writing deadline because we'll only come out with three episodes of this series every month instead of four and for the first few episodes, I did stick to that. And I did notice a couple of things. And anybody that writes anything or has tried will notice. Uh, if you give yourself a little bit of extra time, sometimes you, you, you like getting used to a new writing schedule, it can involve uh, some unfocus, uh, especially when you know, well, I have an extra day. So it is okay if I, like, uh, what was that? What did my phone, you know, check your phone notifications or whatever. Now, just for new listeners, I'll talk about that. So the, there's uh, the, the, uh, this series and then our new series uh, is a written series. It's not scripted so much as it is outlined and re-outlined with dialogue in it. And I do one. I used to do one of those a week when we were on a three-day-a-week schedule. Now every third episode is a written episode. 
And then one episode out of every three episodes in rotation is a TV-based episode. And then one episode is a kind of made-up improv story or half-fiction, half-personal essay story, like stream of consciousness. Uh, so that's the schedule. Is like it will go TV episode, a tu- uh, Trending Tuesday-style episode, and then a uh, written episode. And the reason that is is because that's the only thing that's sustainable. Uh, uh, so much work goes into the creation of the podcast, and uh, those three different style episodes use three different skills and drain three different creative reservoirs uh, that can't provide, that can't, like, uh, they get tapped out when those episodes are created. So, like, a TV episode involves a lot of watching, a lot of note-taking, and a lot of contemplating and observing like i watch it the way i choose a tv show is because i watch it about if i say well if i could watch an episode five times without dis immediately disliking the show forever uh and be able to do that uh, like three or four times a month uh, uh so if i could consume four episodes 20 times a month then i can watch the show then that show will work and obviously there's not a lot of tv shows that fit those parameters uh, so that's how I choose a TV show. So that's one type of episode and one reservoir that it drains from or skill set it uses. Uh, then the, the made-up episodes involve me being observational all of the time to collect material. And those are very, very draining creating them. They just uh, have to stay as calm as possible and stay in the moment and trust my gut. Like all very things that I'm... Uh, uh, and then those may take more editing in the end. And then the written episodes take uh, writing every single day and uh, trying to not, try to be focused when I'm writing so that I have enough material to record an episode and also dealing with procrastination. And so when I started the series, I was writing on a 10-day schedule. So every day I have a half hour of focused writing time set aside to write the episodes. It's one of the first things I do in, in the day. Uh, because they consider it the most important thing, because all the other episodes rely on this. It's not like the writing just influences the episodes I'm writing. It helps develop the skills that uh, leak their way into everything I'm making for the podcast. And it's also challenging in, in a fulfilling way um, that while it's hard work and it's work I have to do every day, uh, without it, the podcast wouldn't be sustainable or exist. Um, which is kind of a, a, hard to put, put into words, but so, so every morning I was writing and instead of having to have it done in seven days, for example, started on a Thursday, recorded on the next Thursday. Now it was like starting it on a Friday or whatever, and then having to record it on the next Monday or Tuesday or whatever, 10 days is later. And for the first few episodes, like, of any series or the act one of anybody, like, it's like, oh, boy, there's always a buzz when you for me. And so the writing always goes really well for the first one or two episodes. Not all the time, but most of the time. Because the idea is still fresh. It hasn't really, uh, I haven't hit the point where it becomes really hard work, um, and uh, I can I can usually maintain a pretty good focus for those 30 minutes every day for 10 days. 
or in the past uh, seven days. So that by the halfway through that writing time, I'm doing rewriting and replotting and brainstorming, saying, okay, that doesn't work. Uh, brainstorming and do, do, deepening my relationship with the characters or whatever, whatever is happening. Uh, so this series started out with like a lot of enthusiasm. And for the first two episodes, I think, uh, I don't have, I, I don't keep a, like a diary of it, but I, I feel like it was good. The writing was really flowing and having the extra two or three days allowed me to actually do like extra stage, like the first day writing to be really relaxed and just kind of playing with, uh, what is the theme? What are we exploring? And then on my day two of writing, I'd be like, okay, what in this series, what's the attraction uh, what is this like? Uh, what is the challenge? What is the need here? Does the attraction need something, or does the girl need something? And okay, then what? what how are we? How are we? Then on day three, four, five. Okay, how is the plot uh, gonna? Or the physical makeup and the challenges which would make up the plot, uh, uh, providing the, what we need to get to the end of uh, the episode. And how does that play in, uh, I, don't, I don't know. So how is it driving the story? And, and I mean, obviously, with uh, there's plenty of room for meanders. In this, if you're new to the show, there's an irony in that the more structured and the more work that goes into the beginning of the episodes and the tighter the episodes can be going in, or on the Tuesday episodes, the more comfortable and uh, fully formed the idea is flowing out of me, Actually, the more room there is for the episode to go really slow and seem convoluted uh, and pointless uh, is weird. Like, the more structure, uh, then the looser the episode is going to be because it gives me a giant amount of confidence and comfortableness in the moment, in the recording moment. And it kind of gives me limitless options because I'm able to say, okay, these are the seven points we need to reach in the episode. Uh, so in between those seven points, we have a lot of freedom, but anytime stuff to, starts to peter off, uh, we know where we're going. Just like a Sunday drive in, in reality, if the driver knows where they're going and they always know how to get there, they can take an endless amount of side roads. If they say, well, I have a you know a photographic memory of these roads, uh, so I know how to get to where we're going even if we take these uh, 55 left turns or whatever. And if you know the schedule uh, and the time frame and where you're going, you can take, I think, I think that makes sense. And so the writing started off, like I said, on the 10 day schedule. And I really felt like the first few episodes really benefited from that. And actually gave me, I think the characters benefited from that, even though she was faceless and nameless and will remain so. Uh, that was kind of a test uh, to, to, to try out story-wise, to say, okay, here's a blank, more blank canvas of a character uh, for the listeners to, to, have, uh, uh, to have in a relationship with. And because of the episodic nature of the story, like each new episode was her first arrival uh, and departure from an attraction for the most part. Uh, so there wasn't existing relationships. So it was a bit more of a, 
I don't know. I just felt like it, it added like an extra density and uh, dreaminess, uh, like almost like a faceless character. I mean, to me, she was not faceless, and hopefully, hopefully, to you, she was not faceless. Uh, but maybe initially, where it was more out of focus. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense, uh, but I don't know if it's super important either. But so, where was I? Okay, well, writing schedule is. Uh, but after I think like two or three episodes, uh, I think I caught a cold or something. And I also knew I was going to be out of town. I think this was in February. Yeah, so it about probably already recorded two or three episodes. And I think some other things happened where I fell off of the cushion. Because uh, one of the things about the podcast is the episodes are always coming out. So content always has to be being recorded, being prepared, uh, which is one stage of making the show, being recorded, which is another stage of the show, then being edited by the editors, another stage, then being remixed by Scoots, and then being finalized and uploaded and everything. So that actually is like a five-week ideally process uh, that there's uh, five weeks between at least the pre-production in the release, ideally, it'd be five weeks between the recording and the release. Uh, but a lot of times we fall into like the one or two week thing when, you know, life happens. And so that was the case very quickly. Within two or three episodes, life had happened. And I said, okay, well, I have to get it got to a point. Luckily, it wasn't that far into the new year where I said, okay, I got to go back to a seven day writing and recording schedule. Uh, because they need these episodes uh, if, if finished, and I don't have the luxury of a 10-day. And at first, I was heartache. So I think I probably did three episodes on a 10-day writing schedule, and then I went back. Uh, and I think the fourth episode maybe was a little bit fully formed or, you know, the story was a little bit more helpful. Or either the third or the fourth one where I went to a seven-day, I said, okay, this story, I kind of know it a little bit better. It's a little bit more apparent or something. Maybe that was Curly Sue. Let's see. The first episode was uh, the fairy tale boat ride. The second one was the old school uh, Dark Side of the Moon. I don't know what the third episode was. There was gliding. Maybe that was the third episode. So maybe that was it where I was like, okay, this one. No, because that was a very... That one was a little bit story dense, and it took some figuring to figure that one out. But maybe, so maybe it was a four, I don't know. But one, at some point, I returned to a seven-day writing schedule. And I pretty much stuck to that till the end of the series, because like, life got in the way, I think, one or two other times. Uh, I think there was a two-week period where I might not have recorded one of those episodes, because I was out of town one week, and then I was sick the next week. Um, but I'm not sure about that, but, but uh, whatever. At some point, I returned to a seven-day-a-week writing schedule. And it still worked because they said, okay, those muscles are still there and muscle memory's still there. And having a seven-day writing schedule has a little bit more immediacy because it's not the, – the, um, that's the hard thing about sleep with me. The deadlines are not optional uh, just because of the amount of time I put into the show. Like I don't have any extra time, so it's not like I can say – it, or it comes with a great consequence if I say, well, I'm supposed to record it on Friday, but I'll try to record it on Saturday or Sunday. Uh, I already have those days are probably booked or say, okay, well, uh, 
if I push it to that and then something comes up, like, hey, can you go pick uh, somebody up or something? Or, hey, I forgot to tell you, I need you here. Uh, it creates a cascading effect. So the podcast, it's just like laying train track for a moving train, which is a metaphor a lot of people use. And it's like, okay, i got to keep laying this track down. But that's a good thing. It's a huge motivating factor to get it done. And it helps keep, keep me focused. The deadlines uh, are uh, a symbiotic thing, maybe. So uh, going back to a 70 thing actually kept me a little bit more focused. It gave me a little bit less uh, wiggle room or the ability to be a little bit less precious and say, okay, let's just focus. So what's the next story problem? Uh, what's uh, unclear here? So maybe I'll talk about how I built out one of the episodes that I can remember uh, here uh, while I talk. But I think I was trying to, oh, I was talking about the genesis of the idea. So this is basically switching from a 10-day to a 7-day. Ideally, for this next series we're doing, I'll be switching back to a 10-day schedule. And the day I'm recording, this was the first writing day of that series. So, But I had done some pre-writing and stuff uh, and daydreaming, which comes before the writing. Uh, like ideally, like a month ahead of time or two months ahead of time, I have a, a good strong idea of what we're going to do. And then it strengthens the closer and closer we get to the when I commence writing. And this was like one of these ones. The series we're doing next, uh, uh, I don't want to tease it yet just because an episode hasn't been recorded. Um, but I had, uh, it was, it's a, it's a, uh, season two or something, uh, that a lot of people like. And, and I said, uh, okay, when I have an idea, I'll do it. And I had an idea like probably eight months ago. And that idea came at the wrong time because I said, okay, well, I don't have a spot for that series uh, till next year. So I don't know. Uh, and I don't think I, I, I think I like said, okay, like if we're walking or something, we can discuss this more. And then the idea clicked. I said, oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Whatever my story brain or the story. So I said, hey, like it was pitching me the story. Because uh, it has to have some sort of, uh, it has to have some sort of fuel that's going to get it through 10 or 12 episodes uh, in the renewable fuel for these ones that are more episodic where it's like, okay, can that operate in its own vacuum each time too? Can it carry through 10 or 12 episodes? Does it have viable characters? And does it have uh, the ability to generate uh, good, good content? And so what was it? What was I saying? Uh, I have no idea why I brought any of this up. Oh, so the idea came to me, and they said, well, this isn't the best time. So we talked about it a little bit, and then it, it got more concrete. Like this part of me that generates the stories or whatever, that's not a part of my whatever subconscious or whatever you want to call it, or more like some sort of collective unconscious. I don't know. It said, hey, I said, holy cow, that's good. Like whatever the the, the thematic thing was, it was going to like carry everything through and tie it all together. I said, "Okay, that's good. We can I can see that generating everything." And I don't think I wrote it down. Maybe I wrote it down somewhere, but it was such a strong idea that I said, "I'll never forget that." Uh, maybe yeah, it was probably eight months ago. And yeah, it was probably eight months ago. And I said, "Okay." And then I went back on to whatever the series was, uh, probably after Glass Slipper, 
And then I had to move on to As North Pole Returns, returns, and then this series that we're just doing, the theme park one. And during the theme park series, I did have to start uh, saying, okay, what was that idea again? And I can honestly, I have no idea. Like, I have a general uh, sense of it, but the actual, uh, the powerful throughput thing uh, that would make it work, it was gone. And I said, okay, I have an idea of the place and the time it was taking uh, in a general sense of the situation, but whatever uh, uh, the action-reaction driver was, it was gone. And it wasn't a, it was some sort of subtle thing where I, it wasn't brainstormable. Uh, and I said, oh, mo- oh no, like really I did. I was like, uh, this is probably when I wasn't feeling good. Yeah. Uh, uh, Cause that would have been three episodes would have been done. So I was like, okay, I need something in about uh, two months. Uh, and then I said, what am I going to do here? Uh, Cause I didn't have any other uh, uh, fully formed things ready to go. And here's the great thing about learning and growing, I guess, is like I did have to say, okay, well, this is a season two. We have strong characters. And uh, let's trust that the idea is either going to return to us or that's going to be okay. Because it was so early, I said, like, but that we're going to do, we're going to return to that series probably. Let's reassess things in a few weeks. And let's see if the idea comes back. And it didn't come back, but I kept saying, okay, let's just trust whatever this process is, the story swamp, as I call it, that the story will be there when we need it, uh, that we'll remember this thematic thing, or we'll figure out something else, or we could go in another direction, and the story swamp will also provide that. Maybe we have to do a new series, or maybe we'll return to another old series. And then I also keep a list of non-sleep-with-me ideas uh, in the event I ever uh, have any extra time to do, like, another podcast or something, uh, which is not something I'm pitching or saying is is happening anytime soon. And those are other ideas when I'm going for a walk that I'll ponder and say, huh, like, is someone doing a podcast about this, or how would this story play out? And I had another story idea and it was kind of there, and I said, oh, wow, that's an interesting idea. Again, having a conversation with this in the story swap or whatever, I said, hmm, uh, so how would that work? Oh, okay. And just general, uh, these are general premises, not uh, like either based on a character or an idea. And there was one premise that came up that I kind of liked, and I said, wow, if I was going to work on another fictional podcast, uh, I had these two competing premises, and I said, well, I would work on one of those, uh, but I don't have time. So, again, it's kind of like a kid. You say, listen, I love your ideas. Uh, let's keep a track on them. Uh, but, unfortunately, I don't have any time to work on that now. But respecting and vindicating them, and I guess probably writing them down because you don't want to, uh, you like, that's another form of uh, whatever you call it. <laughs> so you don't lose it uh, and saying, oh, that idea is precious. We just can't explore it any further. But this, both ideas were kind of sticky in my brain. And I said, that is interesting, though, thinking about what you're saying. And then eventually what happened was like one of those things with like one of those, what are those called, graphs or something, where lines start crossing. And I started getting closer and closer to the end of the theme park series. And I didn't have, I said, that premise hadn't returned to me. 
And I said, well, okay, what do we have otherwise? Like, we could start from scratch. We, we do have the ability to that. We could say, okay, let's just do a season two of this series. You know, we've been making this podcast long enough that, yeah, the first episode, if we don't have a, a throughput premise, it'll be a lot more work uh, of brainstorming and some, like, bulldozing level brainstorming in blue sky, whatever you want to call it, to generate the a premise for that. But those are very strong characters, so we probably could do it. And again, this is stuff I don't, that doesn't come natural to me, all this, like, uh, kind of like a self-parenting or kindness and loving of uh, story ideas, but uh, it's become a necessity. And I said, okay, don't worry, we'll, we'll figure it out. And again, I guess it's just spending time in the story swamp. I say, okay, we'll get down there. Story swamp's not the greatest place, you know, it's a swamp. But we'll probably get down there. We'll find our way. And then, like, this is like a, maybe the idea of loosening the ropes or whatever, the knots. And then I said, wait a second. Uh, and then I started saying, let me spend some time with these characters again, because I do love them, too. And maybe talking to the characters or whatever. This is all when I'm not working, like when I'm walking or taking a shower or something. And then one of those two premises, and this is a dangerous thing. You can't go in with a premise for another podcast or another medium and shoehorn it in there. But then that part of me said, well, what about that other premise we had? And I said, well, that really won't work. Uh, and I said, well, what about the underlying idea? And I said, the under, tell me more. What's this underlying idea? And I said, well, what about this character? It does share the traits with the character based on that premise. Uh, and I said, oh, really? Tell me more about that. And I said, we'll see. They're both. And I said, okay. And then something else happened across my path. And I said, oh, wait a second. You're right. And then that was it. I said, okay, now we have a new premise uh, with this, this, this second season. And so that's what we're doing next uh, on a seven day. Are we on a, no, now we're on a 10 day writing schedule right now. And today was day one. Uh, so I guess uh, that was a long way of saying what I was uh, pre-writing I was doing. And now today, day ones are always of, an, of a new episode are usually, like I said, kind of saying, okay, well, it, well, I'll go into episode. Let me tell you about the genesis of the idea for this series we just did. Uh, since I told you about the genesis, uh, genesis of the idea for the next series. And then I'll break, maybe break, try to break down an episode. Uh, so the genesis of this idea, actually, I thought it pre pre preceded the podcast, but it actually doesn't because I remember I was sober. And I got sober after I started the podcast. And so this idea was after I started the podcast that this idea came up, but it wasn't for the podcast. And it occurred in all places of uh, Legoland, uh, California, near San Diego. And my so this would have been the first year of the podcast. So this would have been 2014, February 2014. And uh, I was very freshly sober, and uh, it was a long weekend. And uh, uh, my, my ex and I decided to take our daughter to uh, Legoland in uh, San Diego. Uh, for the long weekend and she, uh, let's see, she was, so it was 2014. Is that what I said? So she was seven in kind of the perfect age, just at the end of the perfect age for Legoland. If you're thinking about going to one of the two Legolands, uh, 
a mature seven is a, a, probably the pinnacle of Lakeland experience. Maybe a six or five might be better. Uh, but my daughter had a great time. She she was a mature seven, but, but like uh, also a kid seven. So like she was able to enjoy everything. But I think any more mature, in it, it would have seemed a little bit kiddy. But there is a place where they get to drive their own car. Uh, but that had a long line. Uh, so we went the first day. We went to Legoland. The first ride, or one of the first rides, is a fairy tale boat ride. And uh, I remember it was even. We were waiting in line for a while, not super long, but I was just sitting there observing, you know, soaking it in. Uh, and there was uh, these the boat. It was a boat ride, and the boats were made to look like Lego leaf boats. Leaf boats. Lego leaf boats. That's a mouthful. And they worked their way through fairy tale Lego based scenes. Uh, and I just liked the image of this slow-moving leaf, uh, how it was like uh, plastic and based in Legos, but kind of uh, evocative of nature of a leaf floating in a river. And it just seemed very, uh, I don't know, very enticing to me and, and then very sleepy. Like I could picture a child curled up in the boat, uh, in the boat sleeping. And this is the kind of things I think about when I'm waiting in line. And I just kept thinking about that image, and I guess because I was with my daughter, like thinking about this young girl uh, sleeping in this boat and then imagining this was daytime, but then imagining what it was like at night. And then, the, 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 yeah, that would be a pretty cool place to sleep. And then just uh, personifying the ride as this mother figure. And I said, that's an interesting idea, like uh, personifying the, the attractions, uh in these roles of raising a child, I said, we were just having this discussion in line, me and my brain or whatever, saying, well, so she would live in a theme park. Uh, and I said, that's a nice story idea, probably not for sleep with me. But I said, that could make for something interesting. And again, it was very evocative and it just called to me, like all of the other stories I do. The idea was, uh, it kept calling back to me. But podcast idea or not, I would think about it. I'd say, man, uh, I love the idea of a girl uh, growing up in an abandoned theme park uh, and that the rides are, um, something's going on with the attractions uh, that they're a part of, uh, maybe a parental unit or a sibling unit or whatever uh, you want to decide by your own meaning. Uh, so it was an idea I couldn't forget, but again, like that was 2014, and that was as formed as it became. And again, I didn't think, I said, well, I don't know if it fits with sleep with me. And I couldn't see its legs and the rest of the structure. And I always have kind of a general idea of like where I'm slotting things. Uh, and if I don't have something to go in a slot uh, over a year, I'm trying to plan out the show. It's like, uh, okay, well, what would go in that if, if we're right currently kind of doing New series, second season, holiday series, uh, new series, second season uh, type uh, release. Uh, there was always stuff slotted in there. Or if it wasn't slotted, and I said, okay, well, what, are, what will we put in there? They say, well, what about that girl in the theme park? I say, well, what more do you have? Uh, and that part of me would be like, I don't know. I just seared, I, I think I'm interested in it. 
And I'd say, yeah, I find it interesting too. But how would that be a podcast that puts people to sleep? Um, and again, after making it fully formed, it's a much different situation than when the idea is just in its infancy. To be like, okay, yeah, you're right, I don't see it. And there's this whole idea in podcasting now, or there always has been, but it's called audio first. It's like a lot of content creators are audio first. They're making their podcast to be a really good podcast. You think about everyone at Night Vale Presents or people like Paul Bay or Lauren Shippen. Um, yeah, like uh, they make things audio first. They make these great podcasts and then they may translate into other mediums, uh, but they're leading audio first. And the same thing goes for Sleep With Me. It's like uh, not only is it audio first, but it's a Sleep With Me first. And then I have to say, no, 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 it's sleep with me first, not just good story first. Like, yeah, we might have a good story idea, but it might not be a sleep with me idea. As we said with this new series, I said, well, those are great ideas, but they're not sleep with me ideas. Uh, And this comes from making mistakes. Uh, There was uh, two series I did early on. I mean, and I was in a much different situation where... I was way more desperate for material and I had much less experience that I took ideas that weren't sleep with me first. And I said, well, I have this story idea ready to go in this premise. Let's just start making episodes so we can have content to release. And early on, those didn't necessarily work because I said, well, this isn't really a sleep with me uh, first idea. It's all, and they were, uh, they weren't even audio first actually ideas. They were, uh, yeah, but it, so it didn't work out. Uh, neither one of those series even reached completion because they said this isn't working as a sleep. I think I got it to like where it was audio first, but I said, well, this isn't sustainable for a sleep with me episode uh, week after week. Uh, so, but, so this idea, but I kept coming back to it. And there is something dreamy about a theme park and. Um, but there's a lot of themes that you have to be very careful with, with sleep with me. So I said, I don't know if I could avoid all of those uh, massive themes, uh, with that. So maybe not, but the idea, you know, it stuck with me and eventually I got, uh, I don't have the next where the idea, uh, evolved next, but at some point it evolved next to be like, Oh, you know what? No, I think that is a sleep with me idea. Like, uh. The idea of eat, maybe that was the next evolution that each ride would be a parental or a sibling type figure, and that it would be more about her relationship with the attraction than the the who or the who, what, where, and why. I think that was the issue because the idea of the, that the situation, uh, the who, what, where, and why, uh, she, who is this girl in the theme park that. Uh, is just, uh, that's one place you could explore. But I was like, oh, if we explore for sleep with me, it might not work, uh, especially if you want to relate to her. Uh, but uh, it, as the lead, as the main through point, uh, the where, I guess like maybe that is what we led with in some sense. It's more of a relational thing. But uh, the why, why is she there? No, no, no. Can't even touch that. I mean, I can know why. Or you can imagine why, but to to plumb why for 11 episodes is the main intent. It couldn't work uh, when probably that's, again, something that can be touched upon 
but not uh, those depths can't be plumbed into. And there has to be depths to plumb into. Otherwise, the show, there's no way to make a 45-minute podcast episode. But, but I said, oh, if the focus is her relationship with the attraction and that some lesson or something, some sort of exchange has to happen, some sort of healing or lesson uh, for one or the other or both, uh, they said that's very contained. That's non-serial, so it's, it has episodic potential. And that means we can keep a lot of these uh, who, what, where, and why is at the periphery. If she's interacting uh, with like a personified non-human, that's a different level of possibility than if she's engaging with an equal or some other human being character. Uh, It's going to expose a lot more. uh, It's going to expose her humanity in a much different way. And in this way, I said, okay, this is open to a whole lot of audience projection, which, again, I think I learned from in both ways from this. Maybe I'll touch on that. But uh, And then for the attractions, I said, okay, well, there's this benefit of nostalgia and positive memories and uh, childhood memories and a ton of visual and, uh, like, uh, details uh, and all that can counteract the who, what, where, and why and uh, become a point, and they can also play into the plot. And so once it became that point that it was like, okay, it's uh, it's not about her just exploring the theme park. It's about her spending time with each of these attractions with a purpose we might not know or understand right away. I don't know. I think that like uh, it just became a much different story than if you're exploring who is who is she, why is she here, what is the uh, situation that like uh, it's much more dreamlike, and that was the goal. These challenges in the story also offer this dreamy like opportunity, and uh, this ability to to, to dabble in, in a new way, in a new narrative voice, and in a new way with a projection. And what gaps will the audience fill in? Now, what I realized is that that has two sides or two edges to it. And that that was very informative, uh, was that uh, when you play in this level of projection and narrative voice, uh, it does have, with some listeners, it it was... uh, I think the idea of the, like, uh, one, everybody has a different relationship with childhood and, and children and uh, parental figures uh, in that, but also the idea that the narrative voice was, I think, like uh, talking directly to someone that wasn't the listener, uh, like, uh, that was where the edge, it's like, okay, well, then it really depends on how the listener is projecting onto the characters, uh and if they're project like that, then that's totally out of my control. Um, I mean, in some sense, it is not totally out of my control, but like this type of dabbling where the character, the attraction was always kind of talking directly back at her, uh, but it was a non intimacy. It wasn't talking to you, the listener. It was talking to her. And I think that's like a disruptive level, like, like a disrupted, uh, for some people, uh, just a strange, small shift in narrative direction 
like one of the intimacies of podcasts where it's like, oh, well, most of the time the podcast is just for you, right? You're listening. It's just for you. And I think that maybe created some dissonance to people that really got in deep. Uh, only, well, not everybody. I mean, but just a small percentage that said, oh, that's interesting. I would have never have known that if I didn't try it. And I could relate to it. I said, oh, I think I understand. Like, it's a strange, uh, uh, what is it? I don't even know if it's third, second, or first person talking to, uh, like, it's just, there is some dissonance. Because it's like, wait, the ride is, is sounding like it's talking to me, but it's talking to her. And, uh, like, uh, it depends on what people are saying. Well, what is your intention talking to her? You know, you know I, I, it was just really a, a big learning experience uh and always part of the podcast is like, uh, it's not going to work unless the podcast evolves and changes. Like your brain bots are going to catch it and, and, uh, and interrupt it. It's not going to be sustainable. I can't keep making, couldn't put this much work into something that's only repetitive and, and, uh, um, I'm, yeah. And so, uh, what's my point? My point is, uh, the podcast is always going to dabble. In oh, what can we do with a narrative voice? And where is this? What, what like uh, aspects of who's telling the story? Who are the whom or whom are they telling it to? Who or whom are they telling it for? And what is the intention? What is the narrator narrator's intention? Maybe that was something I should like. I, could, I think I probably could have overcome that. Um, but I wouldn't have known that by making that clear in some reassuring way, like interrupting the projection or adding uh, uh, one more screen of projection to say, okay, all of these characters, I never gave, like I never gave the attractions. I mean, this is because it's a big part of the story. So I guess it would have irrevocable. It was the same issue that came up with naming the series is that uh, uh, by uh, telling the attra- intention of the attractions, it would derail the mystery of the story and the dream the density, dream density, I, I thought. Uh, and as far as that, the majority of the feedback I got was that this was one of the uh, densest episodes, uh, so it put most people to sleep. Uh, but that most of the people that are, are episode listeners, uh, uh, like, uh, really related, uh, and that the, the aspects that drew me about... Uh, uh, relational, familial relations, and solving problems in episodic fashion, and, and in a place uh, rich with nostalgia and detail, like those all like uh, succeeded. It was just a matter of what. I guess the main point is that uh, because each attraction's intention was a mystery. If it wasn't a mystery, if I'd said okay. Well, Curly Sue is your aunt, like the same, like if I made the relation more clear and why Curly Sue, the attraction, but that's a different story. This wasn't the story I was telling, but if I did do that, it would have changed the story of like, uh, well, Curly Sue wants to help you learn this lesson uh, because she's your aunt and she needs you to do this. Uh, that would have uh, given a screen, a different screen to, for people to project on. I guess, uh, and, and maybe I'm just theorizing, uh, but the the story was different than that. And again, I've told this, I'm not going to, like, uh, this story is much more, the, one of the most open to projection and interpretation uh, series. It is the most uh, that we've done. Uh, 
And I wanted to give people the freedom to have their own constructs and meaning. The deep listeners, uh, which I know is a tiny, tiny percentage of people. But you invest your time exploring the depths of the stories, and I invest my time in creating them for you. And that's part of our compact. And, yeah, the compact, nobody's perfect. And uh, some of my meaning will leak out and say, well, that's not the same as the meaning I was finding. I mean, that's part of the hard, one of the hard parts of creation and consumption of creation or art or whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, I don't want, I, I felt like even, uh, so even giving the intention or the purposes other than the episodic purpose, which was still somewhat mysterious, uh, and even by naming the series that it would have been, um, it would have impinged on that in some way. And I, I struggle with it because it's a very forward premise. There's a girl who lives in an abandoned theme park. Okay, abandoned is a word you probably can't use on sleep with me, at least on a regular basis. Like the situational basis, I think, is fine. But a girl who lives in like an empty theme, okay, empty is probably not a good term for sleep with me. But it's also like, well, is it abandoned or is it not? Is it empty? Is it not? Uh, um. I'm not raising those questions to to, to, to to discuss the meaning, but more of like uh, when I'm trying to figure out, uh, like, uh, is she a girl or is she a young woman even to me? Well, no, she's both. She's a child at points. She's a girl and she's a young woman at points. Uh, and then it was like, I didn't want to do it. And it was, uh, I also didn't want to um, do anything diminutive, uh, diminutive, uh, however you say that, uh, to her, because I had developed a deep relationship with her as a character, and uh, I, I didn't want to just name it something uh, that would take any power away from her and her mystery and her right, I guess, as a character to her own journey and her own meaning and her open, own openness to projection of meaning, um, and that by labeling her. Uh, it just felt dangerous to me with the story that it was like, uh, especially early on, it's like, I don't know who she, like, I don't have a, like, uh, in episode three or four, our relationship was, you know, different than by the end in our, whatever, our level of, uh, uh, my level of understanding of her and, and watching her make her own choices. Uh, so that's kind of why I didn't name the series. Uh, I guess it kind of goes into like breaking the story. I'm trying to think, like, I think I've talked about this before, but let me think on, like, uh, which one I can most easily remember. I mean, what I would normally start with is, like, I would try to find a theme first, and I have different ideas uh, or ways of finding a theme for an episode, usually based on reading or something. And I say, okay, well, there's a theme of, like, a type of power struggle or a type of lesson, life lesson. And, like, I would brainstorm on something general like that. This is how I do most episodes. Uh, and then I would say, for this one, I'd say, okay, well, what theme park attractions? Uh, not so much fit that theme, but just call to me. Okay, so flume ride. I don't think we did a flume ride, but uh, I wish, you know, that would be season two if we do it. Uh, or, okay, a uh, boat ride. Okay, like, uh, so then I was thinking about... um you know, the theme that it became is open to your interpretation, but, uh, 
They said, okay, it's a small world. And I said, okay, well, let's try to re like, uh, what theme would we put on that and how would we change it? Uh, so then he thought about a toy town or whatever. And I said, okay, and then how has the ride changed from when it was a functional theme park uh, to the present? And the theme usually helps determine that. Uh, to say, okay, well, there's something uh, at the beginning and the end that's much different than the middle. And all of it was different from the intended story of the attraction. Then there's a subversive layer of like, well, what was the intended uh, purpose of this attraction about toys and uh, playing with toys and who sponsored it? And then it's the relationship with the character and her relationship with what she sees and how she negotiates that and what is she, what is the, uh, what is her need or what does she feel like the attractions need or the situational need is. And then just writing that out, uh, like, uh, it, for Small World, they didn't look up a map or any pictures of the attraction. I just went on my general idea of my mind and the idea of the song and the idea of uh, robotic kids playing with stuff or whatever, paper mache kids, and uh, the idea of a drained canal versus a canal full of water, which would make sense in, in the situation. And then another post like the feral cats of the park and thinking about them and, and her relationship with them. And also thinking about like introducing an idea of her looking out at the outside world. And that was actually open. I said, well, what would she see? And I remember coming back to it in rewrites and being like, well, would she see this? What would she see? Well, like, uh, how does she feel when she's looking out? And I mean, that was really a lot of it. Uh, trying to really bury that in the depths and the thickness of the story uh, in as many layers as I could. It's like, how is she feeling? Uh, and uh, what is it like? How are her feelings driving the plot? Or how are these attractions uh, uh, like uh, she, she didn't, she was by herself, you know, like how all these rides are meant to be consumed by groups of people. And uh, she she's exploring her purpose and meaning in this world, which is her world, her world at all, or her world in all. So I don't know. I think like it was really, really uh, it was a real departure. I think uh, a lot less humor. Most of the humor was through the narration instead of uh, situational humor or even character based humor. It was like observational. Uh, by the narrator observing or making light of things. Um, but, uh, um, and then having the attractions is a, another layer of mystery because it's like, are these like, uh, I don't want to even talk anymore about it. just another uh, thick layer of mystery. Uh, so it's, it's different in a departure. And I think like, uh, when you say sleep with me first, uh, and, and when you think about it, the most successful things on Sleep With Me are always at the margins. Uh, and so this one was definitely at the margins because there was a small percentage of people that said, hey, this, uh, whatever the narrative tone, uh, it didn't work for me. Uh, but then uh, there was a percentage of people that said, this is the most sleepiest thing uh, since whatever, Claude Neon or something. And I think that might have been the most sleepy thing uh, before this, 
yeah, the North Pole got a like a big level of sleep. Uh, so it's usually when something works, it's like uh, or doesn't work. Uh, like the things that don't work for, for uh, like uh, if you give feedback about something that doesn't work, then the other side, it's like it has the most intense super fans. Yeah, like on location episodes. I guess on location episodes are more even. Uh, it would say with the on location episode, like thirty three percent of people they say well, I just listen to the podcasts. Like thirty three percent of people say I won't listen to them, and thirty three percent said if every episode was on location, I'd be happy. Or Ray, I think Ray's more like seventy percent would listen to every episode if Ray did it, and thirty three percent of people would stop listening to the podcast. Uh, so yeah, that's a little bit about, uh, that was a different journey, but, and this was a, just a different series a little bit. And then the next one will be much another departure in a return. Uh, it'll be a return for sure. It's just some elements and characters. Uh, like if I record, I mean, ideally I'll be recording that, uh, like around a week from today or a week and a day or two. Um, and that'll be a departure into something, uh, a little bit different, another narrative voice and familiar with uh, Nuchwest, uh, but I appreciate it. And uh, if you're listening to this, because you say, well, like, as you can hear, like, all these ideas come from some mysterious place uh, that I don't quite understand. And I don't know if it's within me or within my imagination or coming from a collective unconscious or a true uh, story swamp uh uh, that wants the stories to be shared out in the world. And I'm lucky to have like uh, an opportunity to go there and walk around. But it all comes from like a, a also a relational thing to say, hey, let me know a little bit more about this idea. And having uh, slowly developed that relationship with myself and still being imperfect, uh, I want you to develop that relationship for you with yourself and your ideas. Uh, say, hey, why don't you draw a picture about this? Or, well, well, you know, let's take piano lessons. You say, hey, you might not be able to act on it or uh, do it right away. But you can say, hey, I like that idea. Um, can't do it right now, but let me give you a hug. Because uh, that's what I try to do with this podcast, too, is just give you a little hug and say, snuggle in. Uh, I'm here to help. Okay. Good night. I don't want to thank iTunes reviews or, uh, or on Apple Podcasts. Uh, thanks everybody for taking the time to review the show. Uh, Molly, Amalia, um, um, Amalia Seven says magic hill simultaneously, simultaneously hilarious and boring. Soothing voice, careful patience, careful pacing, tangents within tangents, mistakes within mistakes. Uh, to create a podcast that helps you sleep doesn't work. Uh, uh, I don't know how he hit on the magical sleep recipe, but it's effective. Uh, just had a baby, and I have to sleep when I can at random times of the day. This has been a huge help. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, VM says the podcast has changed, and uh, they, they, does, they prefer the old shows, uh, which is good because our sponsors help keep all the old shows free. Or really, the listeners that support the sponsors. So thank you to them. Ella two six four from the UK says genuinely works. Fantastic show works perfectly for getting to sleep or just getting your mind to switch off from worries or repetitive thoughts. Highly recommend. 
Uh, Exigalabar says it actually works. Uh, they're from Australia. First played the podcast. Turned off in five seconds, uh, thinking no way. But I went back to it, and sure enough, I was getting the most restful sleep I have gotten in a long time. I can listen to episodes over and over, fall asleep quickly. Recommend you give it a try and be patient with it. Uh, this dude will definitely lull you to sleep, and if you're wide awake, he's also very funny. Uh, all Moo says, uh, love. Uh, we'll have more super cuts of Afterglass Slipper. Sometimes it takes me a long time, and I get distracted if I switch stories by accident. Uh, flying ape, uh, what did, wait, what did he just say? Prepare to be confused to sleep. Uh, why did post a review that contained a joke, uh, about a pi- pi- plot twist in a recent series? Uh, but to be honest, I don't remember. I've listened to every episode since I subscribed. Scooter will engage in circular conversations with himself about the meaning of words, if they really exist. Uh, maybe he should keep a dream, dream journal until they become a real word. He often questions the pronunciation of simple words uh, like uh, pronunciation. Uh, you get the picture. You'll fall asleep. You'll be confused, and you'll never have answers, but you'll have sleep. The best episode is Talking Bogs, because uh, I seriously thought he was in a bog. Actually, I really was in a bog that night. Uh, I think that, uh, like, uh, in those location episodes, I'm usually there. Uh, but thanks, uh, Grape Ape or Flying Ape. Uh, Penny X is, uh, says it from the UK, says thank you. I use it every night for my weird sleep patterns. Very grateful. Bugsy M for Australia. Uh, love it. Starting to use this podcast to help fall asleep a month ago. Works so well. I play it every night. Still don't have a clue what happens in the stories. Uh, if you're having trouble falling asleep, uh, this will be a game changer. Thanks. Uh, Delatastic. Uh, Part of my morning routine, I wake up hours early, just to sleep phones, put them over my eyes, and I'm rolled back to sleep with a soothing voice. Uh, my favorite is Summer the Horse. Uh, also take you on business trips, and since I'm uh, from the Bay Area, your voice makes me feel homey and secure. Thanks, sleep with me. Thanks, Dilly. And finally, my kind of luck says, wonderful. Scoots help me to sleep every night like a friend sitting by your bed. Helping you drift off until you gently drift off. Love it. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts, and good night.